Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith to discuss the topic of authentic beauty. Uh, and this is one topic that is particularly important in our society today um, because we have many, uh, let's see, what's the right word? Many interpretations sure. of beauty. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so to kind of uh, clarify particularly what the church means by this, I think it's important to discuss this. And with Dr. Smith, we will begin as usual with St. Thomas. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's always a reliable guide. Right. Um, so there's a lot, of, lot to say about authentic beauty. And as you say, uh, Jason, I think in our own time, this is especially uh, important there's a famous uh, 20th century art theorist named Arthur Danton. I've mentioned him before. He talks about the idea that we live in the age of what he calls the hyper-real, uh, which sounds very strange, but there you go. <laughs> art theorists say things like this sometimes. But it actually, I think, is a good, uh, interesting idea, uh, namely that uh, the representation is more important than the reality uh, in our current culture. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, that's a problem, right? Uh, but it's a problem that needs to be addressed and thought about. and um, we think about it, you know, your 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 internet image, right? Your public representation, mm -hmm. the way things are presented, is more important in today's society than the underlying substance. Sure. Um, now, there's there's a variety of ways to 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 address that problem. Um, I think it's a misguided kind of cultural prioritization, right? Mm -hmm. But beauty is one way, and and thinking about the way in which um, beauty and sight and vision all work together uh, is, a, is a good way of talking about uh, appropriate representations, beautiful representations, the, those sorts of things, right? Representations that are actually connected to something uh, substantial and, and real sort of underneath. Uh, St. Thomas uh, uh, ties uh, beauty to the, um, the doctrine of the transcendental properties of being, right? So it's a it's a lot to say, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, I, I don't want to get too far into all of the the distinctions here. There is some dispute about whether or not beauty is properly speaking a transcendental or not. I don't want to get into that. But just broadly here, the idea of the transcendentals is that there are certain uh, things that can be said of being across the categories, mm -hmm. um, across the divisions. So another way of putting it is that. Um, there are certain properties that every being has just insofar as it is, insofar as it exists, insofar as it's actual. Um, so among these are, are most famously beauty, uh, truth, and goodness, mm -hmm. right? That is that uh, Thomas holds, as many other classical thinkers, that there's a way in which um, goodness and truth and beauty, as well as unity and essence, are set can be said of anything uh, that exists, anything that has being, um, in one way or the other. So in that sense, Thomas is tying beauty to being, right, to reality. Importantly, not just the re not just representation, right. Um, and so um, uh, it's an interesting uh, approach to beauty. It's certainly not a subjective approach to beauty mm -hmm. because he's tying beauty to real being, right. So for St. Thomas, beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Uh, beauty is actually some, is a feature of reality in a way that's similar to the uh, way in which truth is a feature of reality and goodness is a feature of reality. Um, so I think that that in a lot of ways sort of 
pushes against the idea, right, that, that representation and reality are not tied together, right, or right. shouldn't be tied together. Right, and you see this with truth, where, mm-hmm. you know, well, you have your truth, I have my truth, and mm-hmm. truth just becomes this subjective thing. And so, you know, when we look at, say, something like relativism, many times it, we reduce it to simply an attack on truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas I think, you know, we need to maybe broaden our sure, perspective sure. of relativism and say, well, it's a track, it, it's an attack on uh, all the transcendence. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Authentic goodness, authentic love, and authentic beauty. And so, uh, I'll just read a quote here from Saint Thomas about uh, beauty and it's the way it's connected to being. Yeah. And maybe that'll give us a, uh, and we can just sort of unpack that, and it'll be a good uh, launch point for our discussion. Uh, this comes from Saint Thomas's commentary uh, on the divine names by uh, Dionysius, later of course called Pseudo Dionysius. But this is Thomas's commentary on. Pseudo-Dionysius' work, The Divine Names. So I'll just read the quote. It says, Everything that exists possesses beauty and goodness, since each thing is good according to its proper form. Hmm. I'll read that one more time. Everything that exists possesses beauty and goodness, since each thing is good according to its proper form. So we'll work our way through this. Uh, The first phrase here is a claim that everything that exists possesses beauty and goodness. So this is a straightforward um, statement of St. Thomas's uh, commitment to the transcendentals, right? Everything that exists, everything that has being, uh, also has, to that degree, beauty and goodness. Now, in a way, that's a surprising claim, right? Because we don't think that you know, uh, the table in front of me and the microphone in front of me, I wouldn't usually describe them as beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and we don't usually think, well, something is good to the degree to, it, it, to which it exists. Right, the cockroach in my kitchen has, That's right. has, has, has no, no goodness. Beauty. No goodness, no beauty deserves right. death. That's right, that's right, deserves <laughs> destruction, yes. Um, uh, uh, but St. Thomas is, in the, is, in a, is really in the mainstream of Western thought here uh, in thinking that, uh, that beauty and goodness... Um, do tie uh, to being, right? Mm-hmm. And then he provides an explanation. He says, since each thing is good according to its proper form, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you could also add each thing is uh, beautiful according to its proper form. So let's think about that a little bit. Something is good uh, or beautiful according to its proper form. One thing to keep in mind here is that St. Thomas thinks that beauty and goodness are really the same but they differ according to a relation of reason, right? Mm, so uh, so let's think about goodness here for a minute, and then okay. we can move over to uh, beauty. When we think about goodness, a thing is good according to its proper form. So what, what do we mean by saying that something is good? Something is good insofar as it's desirable according to the kind of thing it is. Mm-hmm. So this is very controversial, of course, but St. Thomas thinks, again, this is the mainstream Western thought, that a thing is good given its species, right? So we can talk, we can talk about, say, a good uh, tomato plant. Mm-hmm. We can talk about a good oak tree. We can talk about a good wolf, right? Kind of a, maybe an unusual thing to talk about, but we can yeah. say such and such is a good wolf. What do we mean by that? If I said such and such is a good tomato plant, what, what do you think I mean by that? That it has all of the things that a 
well-functioning tomato yeah, plant right. has. It has That's a right. good root system, there you go. good stem, good leaves, That's good right. fruit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of these things. That's right, yeah. So it's flourishing according right. to the kind of thing it is. Absolutely yeah. right. That's just, just the way St. Thomas is thinking about it, right? We say something similar about a wolf, right? A wolf can be a good wolf or a mediocre wolf. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good wolves are ones that exhibit, have all the right sort of uh, bone and skeletal structure. Uh, they're effective and carrying out the life cycle of a wolf, mm -hmm. right? All those sorts of things, right? Now, very importantly, the properties that make a tomato plant a good tomato plant and a wolf a good wolf or a man a good man aren't always the same, no, right? No. Because why? Because there's a difference in form. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right, right, there's a difference in nature. You actually yeah, have to, yeah. and we, we've talked about this before when we talk about to love. Mm -hmm. You know, to love is to will the good of the other. You have to know what the good, what the is. good is. Right. In order yeah. to know yeah. what the good is, you got to know what the nature of the sure. thing is. Sure, sure, right. So you think about a tomato plant, it's desirable for it to get a certain amount of water. And mm -hmm. to that end, you might pour water on top of it. Right. That's not really what's going to help a human being, <laughs> right? That might give you a bath. Right. But it's not going to actually hydrate you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do need hydration's part of human flourishing, but the way in which we hydrate is different than the way in which plant life hydrates. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, so there is an underlying the theme here, right? That is the perfection of form, the actualization of form, the flourishing of form. And, right? and, and then it's rooted in the reality of the being, not in my perception of it. That's right. Not, That's in, right. not in how I perceive mm -hmm. its appearances and all those things, but in what the thing actually is. That's right. Yeah. So I might think, you know, well, sunlight is good for a plant. So what I need to do is not only have natural sunlight, but I need to put heat lamps on top of it constantly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I would in fact be wrong. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, that might work under some circumstances, but not under normal circumstances. That's right. not actually going to help it. Right. Um, uh, so uh, you can be wrong about what's desirable. Mm -hmm. You might in fact think something is desirable and in fact is not. So like, um, you might think it's desirable to be rapaciously greedy. Um, that's not desirable according to the kind of thing we are, according, right. to, according to the kind of thing we are in terms of being social beings, in terms of being rational beings. Um, so that's objectively bad for us. Right. Right. Um, uh, so as you say, right, uh, very important to, to keep in mind, right, that there is an objective basis then for talking about something being desirable mm -hmm. or a course of action being desirable. Now, how does this relate to beauty? Let me just say one last thing about goodness. Then, when we're being good, that is, when we're a good man, right, is someone who is more fully actualizing his nature, mm -hmm. his form. And so, in a sense, we can say he has more being, right? right. He has a, a more fulfillment or actualization of his being. Then say a mediocre man or a villainous man. Right. They're both. They're all three. Would be. Um, they're all three. You know, Homo sapiens. They're all three human beings. They're all three part of the same species. But one of them, you know, the, the villainous man, is is sort of suffering a privation. Right. <laughs> right? Right. right. There's a sense in which non-being and nothingness sort of pervades his activities and his habits and his character. He's fractured in that way. He's deficient. Whereas the man who is a good man, right, in his being is flourishing. He's being actualized and fulfilled, right, mm -hmm. as a human being. Uh, so, importantly, that ties to the idea of the reality of things. Um, with beauty, right, beauty is, uh, as, as I noted earlier, St. Thomas thinks beauty and goodness are really the same in the thing. Mm -hmm. What they do is they differ in their relation. So, 
goodness is related to which faculty of the soul? Goodness is related to the, the appetitive faculties of the mm-hmm. soul, right? So about what's desirable. Does that make sense, yeah. right? So something is good when it's desirable to be done, when it's the kind of thing that you should intend, you should choose, you should desire, right? right? Uh, beauty is a reaction to the same underlying reality, but it concerns a different part of the human cognitive apparatus, namely the uh, apprehensive part, that which includes both sense and intellect. Okay. Right. Maybe you could distinguish mm-hmm. those two a little bit more, the appetitive sure. and the apprehensive. Yeah, so we've talked about this a little bit before when we talk about the, the sort of um, kind of Thomas's view of, of the human psyche. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very broadly speaking, uh, we can distinguish uh, certain powers of the soul, the nutritive powers, and we'll get into that. Those mm-hmm. are just the powers that help us transfer energy of one kind of thing into our own. Um, locomotive powers, but then really apprehensive powers and appetitive powers. So appetitive powers are the kinds of powers that involve going out toward something, desiring okay. something, choosing something, being res- uh, being active towards our environment, right? Uh, so in St. Thomas, this would include both the will and the passion. So when we talked about uh, feelings and passions, sure. right, we talked about this some. Um, so your your will and your your passions, those are your appetitive powers. And those concern the good, mm-hmm. right? Either what is desirable according to sense or what's desirable according to intellect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, when you're um, when either by sense or by intellect, those are your apprehensive powers, right? You perceive something to be good. Mm-hmm. You are perceiving its beauty, uh, okay. all right? So... Um, uh, Plato has a good point about this in the Republic. He says that the that beauty is the appearance of the good, mm. right? Which I, I think is a, is a good short formula for thinking about this. Once you realize that goodness is something objective and in being, right? right then you can come to say, well, if you think if you think about the good as that which is de- desirable, so it's it's the fullness of being in relationship to the appetitive powers. Mm-hmm. Then once I recognize something as good, right? That recognition the appearance of its goodness is its beauty, right? Does that make sense? I guess you could say then that the the better that mm-hmm. a thing communicates mm-hmm. its goodness mm-hmm. would, would, would determine the degree of beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If sure. something is more beautiful, mm-hmm. the more perfectly it communicates mm-hmm. yeah. its own goodness. That's right, yeah. You know? So uh, another way of putting that maybe is the, the more perfect something is, yeah. the more actualized it is. The better it is, mm. right? The more beautiful it is. The more is, beautiful it right? is. Um, and so um, uh, I, I think that kind of gets at something that, that's, that's both objective and, and fairly compelling about the, about the beautiful. Because mm-hmm. the beautiful does sort of involve a kind of attraction, right? There's sure, a pull sure. that we feel with the beautiful as well as a kind of delight in what is being perceived to be beautiful yeah absolutely. right um so i think that's a, an important part now of course we can distinguish here and i think we should between um what's sensibly beautiful and what is uh we could say intellectually or maybe spiritually beautiful mm-hmm. that is just as we can recognize goodness or the perfection of form at different levels right, right? so also we can recognize beauty at different levels mm-hmm. right um now, the prime analogue for us, uh, which isn't particularly moral, it's not anti-moral, but it's not, it's not moral as such, 
is um, is physical beauty and physical right. goodness, right? And that, and I think you know sometimes we, uh, there's a uh, a rush to kind of skip over this, but you know, being a good Aristotelian, you know, Saint Thomas wants to say like we need to start with the prime analogy. All learning begins in the senses, and what's right. most evident to us is physical beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so while we can go on to talk about other forms of beauty, moral beauty, spiritual, intellectual, etc., uh, we should still remain you know, our first understanding and the most evident to us, yeah. right? Maybe not in itself, but to us um, is uh, physical beauty, right? So if you think about it, uh, then a little bit, we can say, well, what is physical beauty, mm-hmm. right? And physical beauty is the perfection of physical form, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Thomas gives us, I'm sure you're aware of this, uh, Jason, the, these three properties of, of beauty, right? right? Three characteristics, they kind of travel under different names that we can talk about perfection. Sometimes that's called integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the perfection of something, uh, it's uh, proportion, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of harmony involved in it, a consistency, uh, as well as third splendor or, or claritas, right? Mm-hmm. The clarity of the thing. So we can maybe kind of delve into those in detail here in a minute, but I, I want to f- first latch on to that first meaning of perfection, mm-hmm. right? So when you're thinking about, Physical beauty. Physical beauty is the perfection of physical form. Right. Works pretty straightforwardly, right? Uh, and it's going to involve this this integrity, this sense of proportion, as well as splendor. Um, so when you think about uh, the perfection of physical form, you know, um, probably this is, you know, most recognized in sort of uh, the classical uh, male and female figure of classical art, mm-hmm. uh, where you have uh, a sense of proportion, a perfection of form. Now, some people get really upset about this idea, but <laughs> I think there's something to be said here, right? That is that there is such a thing as an actualization of form, of the physical form, right? That is proportionate, that is um, due to the kind of thing that a homo sapien is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, yeah. right? Um, and so uh, I think we can talk about um, physical perfection, right? right. As As something that's, uh, that's real. Let's take a, a maybe a non-controversial version, right? You can think about a a beautiful tree, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a tree that is um, very, very large, but so large that it's begun to fall over, do, do you follow yeah, me, yeah, right? Yeah. Then we would say it's not really beautiful, right? It's 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 beginning to fall over. You can see branches that are starting to crack, right? It's it's beginning to deteriorate despite its vast development, right? Mm-hmm. It's at this point kind of overdeveloped and it's falling apart, right. right? Also, we could see a tree that's maybe sickly, right? That it has not uh, developed well, right? Again, this is not a moral matter. This is a right, physical right. matter, right? Um, and what we could say is, no, the, the, the beautiful tree is the tree that's in its initial to mid-maturity, uh, right. right? It's fully formed. It's complete, it has a certain proportion among the, the parts of it, that sort of thing. And we can say then it is a beautiful uh, tree. Right. right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's it's flourishing. It's mm-hmm. not dying. It's mm-hmm. not falling over. And like you said, you know, going back to because beauty lies in the reality of the thing itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the perfection of the, 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 the flourishment of that thing, mm-hmm. you know, if we were to have one of those faulty things... Mm-hmm. It, it takes away from uh, the perfection or, the, you know, the other word that's used is integrity. 
Sure. You know, there's sure. something lacking in the integrity of that mm-hmm. of that tree or, or whatever it is mm-hmm. that that we're looking at. Sure. Yeah, and you could say. I mean, I think in uh, um, you know works of uh, art, right? We can yeah. see this as well, right? There's a kind of perfection of the underlying form involved, yeah. um, as well as these as these other sort of uh, properties. Uh, the point being, right, that that's all at the level of sense. Right. And, and that's not bad, right? The, there's nothing wrong with sensible beauty, right? Sometimes right. people uh, have a kind of a, uh, they don't want to talk about sensible beauty. But sensible and physical beauty is a real thing. And actually, it's wonderful, right? I mean, it's wonderful that things are beautiful, right? right? right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that there are, are, are beautiful buildings, beautiful people, beautiful scenery. That's that's a blessing, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it fills our, our life with delight and joy uh, when we experience such things. Um, um, but they are at the level of sense. Now, saying they're at the level of sense doesn't mean that the intellect's not involved. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, very importantly, for something to be beautiful, even at the level of sense, it has to be such that it's uh, recognized not only by the senses, but also as the intellect. Right, you know? Because right. the intellect, see, this is the key, the intellect is what can really perceive the perfection of form. Right, right, right. right. Your pet dog can't recognize something as beautiful. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. it lacks intellect, right? right? And right. so uh, um, it, you have to have intellect to pick up on beauty because even physical beauty. Yeah. Uh, because beauty, real beauty, authentic beauty, involves the perfection of form. And form is recognized by intellect. Right. And it's important to also understand that the the senses can be mistaken. Sure. And so that's why the formation of the intellect is so important because... Mm-hmm. It's the, 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 the data that's mm-hmm. in the intellect is what uh, um, looks at and judges mm-hmm. and evaluates mm-hmm. what's before them. You know, sure, so, sure. you know, the, you know, the example, you know, I always use is, you know, those survival shows that mm-hmm. those, those guys go out there with a lot of uh, data mm-hmm. in their minds that they interpret the, mm-hmm. the landscape that is around them so that sure. they can identify Right. The good things and the bad things, right, you know. Right. Without that, uh, uh, they they could be mistaken mm-hmm. simply by appearances. So, so sure. very similarly, when we when we're when we're looking at beauty, something can be sensed as beautiful, um, but that doesn't mean that it it is uh, not connected to the intellect. That doesn't mean that the intellect doesn't have a role, but the intellect uh, uh, does have a very important role. Yeah, even uh, in the sensible. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah. in the sensible beauty. Uh, which I think is one of the things that's interesting when you think about, say, church architecture, think about things like cathedrals, uh, maybe even neoclassical, right? Right. You know, churches, you know, Gothic and neoclassical are very different art styles, right? Um, but we can recognize that they both have beauty, mm-hmm. right, because of the integrity of form that's in work, that's at work in them, you know, Um Without naming names, yeah. uh, I have been to um, some chapels, some <laughs> churches, right? Uh, that reminded me more of you know the um, a place where you would go in order to become depressed, yeah. right? <laughs> like if you were like, oh, I want to become depressed, you would go to this place, right? Maybe like a, a waiting room at the DMV, something yeah. like that, right? <laughs> Uh, that's not that's not the beauty of form right, right. there right that, there's a certain I guess you could say utility to such places right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they don't have the integrity of form right um, yeah maybe maybe an interesting case study would be to so in um, Gary Indiana 
Okay. Uh, you are going to name names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, want, I want our listeners to, to maybe go look this up. There's a, there's a beautiful church in okay. Gary, Indiana that is uh, completely depressed. It's it's the, the roof is missing. It's been missing for years. Mm-hmm. It's been totally weathered. Mm-hmm. There's trees and grass and everything growing mm-hmm. inside of this huge church. Uh-huh. But the columns are still there. Huh. Uh-huh. The stain, sure. Some yeah. of the stained glass is yeah. still there. Right, all these right, things. Right. So, I mean, it, it is one of those things where, mm-hmm. you know, taking, you know, looking at our the, the characteristics that St. Thomas gives us, mm-hmm. you know, there's still something beautiful there because there is, you know, in your mind, mm-hmm. you can kind of maybe picture it in mm-hmm. its uh, 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 in its heyday or sure, something sure. like that. Yeah. And then so it still has some of these pieces, but it mm-hmm. but it's lacking right, that right. integrity, that that sure. that fullness, that flourishing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, but I think that might, that might be a good example to go and to take a look at because yeah, yeah. you know because it is one of those things where you know it can involve uh, something like that. You can say, "Wow, this is beautiful," but mm-hmm. you know it can also be, "Well, it's sad because it's it's lacking something," you know. Sure, like, sure, and, sure. and again, I think those emotions are reactions against the reality of the thing. It's mm-hmm. not just reactions just because of my subjective dispositions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. because of the thing itself, going right. back to what we talked about before. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, Indiana. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good, good example. Well, I mean, it's say there, uh, where the, even though there is some privation, you can see the underlying structure, right? You can kind of yeah. fill in the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there's some, uh, I guess, some tragedy, right, to its current state of decline, right? right. But at the same time, Decline presupposes that it was something with integrity before, sure, sure. right? Um, and you know, when you really think about that integrity of form, perfection of form, if that really is the good, then then beauty and goodness really are the same. Mm-hmm. And one of the the pedagogical values, really, of beauty um, is that it teaches you to delight in the integrity of form, mm-hmm. right? So one of the areas here that I think is significant is that. Thomas also, in addition to talking about the idea of perfection, proportion, and splendor, um, he also talks about the idea that, that the beautiful is that which delights when seen, mm, right? right. Uh, so now you might say, well, does that mean anything that I delight in is beautiful? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is a property from it, uh, of it. It's not the essential definition of it. But the, um, when it's seen and, it's del- and it delights because of the integrity of form. Right, right, right. right. Uh, then that's what we have as as the beautiful, and so if the beautiful really is then the appearance of the good, mm-hmm. right, the appearance of the integrity of form, then having our senses engaged with our imagination engaged with the beautiful teaches us to delight in the perfection of form. Which really is a is a is a is a it's not sufficient by any stretch, right? But it is a a, a solid step in the direction of delighting in the good, right? Delighting in what is actually virtuous. Uh, you know, beauty and virtue are not the same, um, but beauty is connected to virtue in right. the sense that that both involve the actualization of uh, form of perfection of form. And I can see this, you know, kind of when you're looking at St. Thomas's three characteristics there, that when, you know, when you have this, this integrity and proportionality, 
that this this third piece of, of clarity or, mm-hmm. or or splendor of form mm-hmm. that that it really that that's the piece that kind of really starts to invite the intellect sure. into it and like mm-hmm. and I like that word you know claritas mm-hmm. you know where this this it, it, and I think a good maybe a good way to uh, uh, understand this is you know kind of developing a relationship with another human person. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you kind of spend time with them mm-hmm. and the more that you understand who they are, you de- delight in their character, that it really does bring this clarity to, you know, if they're mm-hmm. an upstanding person and all mm-hmm. those things. You can you can sense that 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 integrity in them. Uh, you can understand it. But it also you 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 literally uh, delight in their being. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. That that it, but it, but, it, but I like that idea of clarity. That it that you know something becomes more clear. Yeah, yeah. So the so I think uh, uh, what Thomas has in mind there, right, is the idea that that this there's a perfection of form. There's a sense of proportion and harmony. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, uh, it's evident to the intellect. Right. right? That's why uh, claritas or splendor. Right. Splendor kind of brings out the idea that there's a kind of um, vibrance to the thing, a kind of yeah. display of it, right? Um, that is uh, different than, that, that really adds to the integrity of form because you could have an integrity of form that's sort of beautiful in a way, like if you really work to f- see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's not really beautiful unless it, it carries with it that notion of splendor, right? right. That, that it's manifest, that it's abundant, Right. Uh, kind of uh, the, the the kind of light metaphors are, are used here a lot, that it's mm. radiant, right? Because the idea is it just, it's manifest, yeah. right? Uh, and that's one of the reasons I think, you know, that we want um, beauty often, especially associated with things that we value, uh, say in the liturgy or in our homes or, or things of that nature, because when it's real, has that virtue, that character of, of being radiant. It right. shows you, Right the uh integrity of form right Right. you really shouldn't have to argue someone into into thinking that the swiss alps are beautiful yeah if you can't see that like it i would encourage you to to try again (laughs) (laughs) right like you know uh now i do think that there is a a a certain amount of training sometimes it goes into sure uh just like the virtues just like the virtues right and in terms of being able to perceive uh beauty but beauty does have that kind of radiant sense um, uh, to it, to where it's a manifestation of the integrity of form. Right, right? And, and and if there is a problem, it's usually in the eye of the beholder, not That's in the right. object thing. The, yeah, the other thing there. itself. I mean, I think you know uh, um, this is something somewhat on the wane, but I think it's unfortunate that once you learn, it, I think there are forms of beauty that require a certain amount of patience. Yeah. Right, and. Um, for myself, I think this is uh, true with respect to classical music. Yeah. Not all classical music is, is as beautiful as every other, but there are pieces of classical music that, uh, particularly when you think about the work of Mozart and so forth, that I think are indisputably beautiful. You may not have the patience for it. It may be the case that you're used to a very um, kind of just quick and fun beat kind of music, yeah. which is fine in its own place, to be sure. Um, but... Uh, it might take some work, in other words, for you to actually acquire an ear such that you can perceive the beauty there, right? Yeah. Um, but that's not a problem, really, with Mozart. That that's a, <laughs> it's a deficiency with your ear, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, uh, that doesn't mean that, that that's the only kind of music that's worth listening to, of course. But 
Um, but I think you get the point, right? That you do need sometimes a certain kind of cultivation. Similarly, you say with poetry, right? Poetry right. is slow, and you have to think about it, right? And 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 read it a certain way, and acquire ear for it. Once you do, it's really manifest, right? right. Similar uh, to um, to wine. I mean, myself, uh, I'm a steak and beer kind of guy, but I recognize that wine is better, right? <laughs> right? It's more sophisticated. It has a, a it demands a more delicate kind of taste. It has a more a greater complexity. Right, to it. right. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Or even like you know, if you're a chef, you know, mm-hmm. every chef knows like you don't just you're not well. Most people are not just born with this sophisticated palate where right, they can sure. where they can pull out the intricacies of a dish mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, dissect the ingredients right, just right. by tasting uh-huh, the uh-huh. thing. Uh, um, and that's an amazing ability. And stuff. Sure. but at the same time, it's something that you know does take that training and stuff. Now, now, what about what about the relationship then between uh, uh, beauty and truth? Mm, yeah. So, know, so we understand yeah. that you know beauty and goodness, uh, that relationship, that you know beauty is that goodness being manifested. Mm. Uh, what about truth though? Is mm. it a different relationship? Is it similar to that of goodness, or how do we understand that? It, it is similar, but I would say beauty and truth are not as closely connected. Okay. Okay. Um, they are connected, yeah. right? They are connected um, through being, right? Um, so all of these are aspects of being, aspects of reality, right? And so the true, right, is being as known by intellect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say it again. <laughs> I just said that really fast. <laughs> the true is being as known by intellect, right? So when when being is manifest in an intellect, right, when being is perceived and known by an intellect, that's when truth occurs. Okay. okay? Um, now, um, uh, beauty has a relationship to that mm-hmm. in the sense that beauty is related to the good, right? So yeah. through, uh, uh, um, and, and related to being. So through being, there's a connection between truth and beauty, yeah. right? The closer, the, the more you know a thing, right? The, the closer you're going to be able to come to find maybe the beauty in it. Also, the beauty of a thing might draw you into the truth of the thing, right? right? Um, it's, almost well, like, it's almost like a Trinitarian. That's right. Yeah, there is kind of distinctions in relationship. Right. Uh, and also, you can say that the that the true is the good of the intellect. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. <laughs> uh, so, like when you the intellect, cre- you know, reaches its actualization in the true, um, and and so there's a way then in which truth is connected to beauty through goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are these important connections, and as I indicated before, I think that in, uh, that suggests an important pedagogical place for beauty in the liturgy, in education, uh, uh, in formation, and right. so forth. Right? Because, um, like you said, beauty should draw us to right that inner reality. You know. Yeah, and it, like you said, it, it doesn't just beauty's not there to just delight our senses. That's right. That's but right. it's there, but it, but that it actually delights the intellect. It delights the know? intellect. And even in something that's sensible, it's at least a pedagogy in the perfection of form, right? Yeah. So even if we're just starting at the perfection of form at a sensible level, that's, a, that's an introduction, right, yeah. into right, uh, the idea of the perfection of form. Like, what is it that makes that thing so attractive and so beautiful? Yeah. The perfection of form, right? right. So even math can be beautiful. You can yes, a, indeed. You can have a beautiful <laughs> math problem. That's right. Logic you know? actually right. can be beautiful. That's right. Um, the uh, uh, so there is that 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 element there of, um, um, as I say, the pedagogical value of beauty because of the connection of beauty uh, to truth. 
At the same time, I think we do, there's a note of cautions required here as well. Yeah. We've been focusing on sensible beauty, and I think that's right to do so. Um, there can be sensible beauty that doesn't line up with truth, mm, right? Interesting. Um, maybe it lines up with truth understood in, in the sense of true to form at the physical level, okay, but not true to um, the full being, the full being of the thing. Or the right? ultimate end. Yeah, or the ultimate end. So I can give you a very concrete example of this. Sure. Uh, for some reason, his name is, is escaping my mind, but the, the, the man who was the um, the architect and, and chief of design in the Third Reich Right was as well recognized at the time as being really a genius, and that a lot of the design work that he did uh, in sort of uh, Nazi build the architecture of Nazi buildings and Nazi propaganda and so forth from a strictly a design that is an aesthetic point of view is even recognized still today as repulsive as it is um, as excellent design mm-hmm. right. Uh, that there's a kind of integrity of form to lots of those things, right? right? But of course, we would we would insist that that Nazi ideology is completely erroneous and repulsive. So there, you have a real disjunct. Right now, that's an extreme example, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a, a a deeply false ideology accompanied by um, an attractive representation, physically speaking, right? Right. Um, and that's that that you know if you feel that as being discordant, you should right. There is something <laughs> wrong about beauty being associated with error and with evil, um, but physical beauty can be associated with that, right? Mm. So we do need to recognize that although there is a connection between physical beauty and truth, it has its limits. That's yeah. what I want to say. It has its limits. Um, let me at a less extreme uh, level, we could say you know a lot of the beauty that goes into contemporary marketing, right? That fosters uh, vanity, insecurity, greed, and consumerism. You can make something beautiful and be creating vice. Right. Which right. is un- unfortunate, right? Like I would say that's a, not just unfortunate, it's tragic, right? Yeah. The, the beauty should be associated, right, uh, with virtue. And there is a connection there. Now, our temptation might be to say, oh, that's not real beauty. And, and I, I want to push back and say, no, it can be real physical beauty, yeah. right? And it be associated with evil, right? Right, And, and that is discordant, right? Uh, and it should not be so. Um, now, what you could say is that when physical beauty is associated with things that are evil, there is a kind of privation there. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. So there's a lack of fullness of being there. So I will concede to that point. But we do then, I think, need to be cautious. That's all. That that we don't overplay that connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to, to look at it as a whole. That's right. Don't yeah. just say, well, it's beautiful. Beauty is beauty is beauty. No, that's right. That's right. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, but look at, you know, look at the whole of it. I mean, because we would say, well, you know, humans are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. Our human bodies are mm-hmm. beautiful things. Mm-hmm. But pornography is not good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pornog- therefore, there's there's a real yeah. uh, uh, um, disingenuous uh, uh, manifestation yeah, right, of the goodness right. of the human body uh, right. in pornography. Sure. Uh, because there's something uh, that is just absolutely horribly sure. wrong yeah. about it. Um, uh, I don't know if that's a good example. I, I can see why you would go, why you would bring that up. I, I would tend to think that that is less physical beauty and more voluptuousness or yeah. 
kind of uh, salacious pro- provocation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, which I wouldn't want to associate directly with beauty, but I can see. I mean, sometimes there's a there's a you know kind of the the line here isn't completely <laughs> clear, right? Um, yeah. But I think um, there I'd want to uh, I'd want to sort of say that I think there is a difference between. Um, uh, as I say, uh, salacious appeal or a salacious provocation. Allure. Yeah, right. And 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 beauty, even at the level of sense. Mm. Uh, but you can have something that is at the level of sense that simply appeals to vanity. Right. right? Something right. that is beautiful at the level of sense, but but then ends up just uh, evoking vanity. I think that's to show that sensible beauty is not enough. Right. Right. Sensible yeah. beauty is great. It's a it's a good thing. It's a thing to be prized and valued but um but it's not uh sufficient uh on its own as you indicated earlier it's where you need the training of the intellect right mm-hmm. so that it's broader than just the level of the aesthete right you don't want it to just be refined aesthetics right, right? refined right. aesthetics are excellent worthy worthy of pursuit but not sufficient right. there's a wonderful example of this in uh monsignor hugh benson's book the lord of the world um the um one of the characters in this eventually apostatizes from the Catholic Church. It's a fantastic and, and wild book in some ways, but it's it's very interesting to read. And uh, wh- uh, there's a you know, this is about the uh, uh, you know pic- uh, kind of imaginative depiction of of the Antichrist and uh, his beginning of reign on the earth. And uh, in this, there's a you know mass ap- apostasy, and what, there's a priest who apostatizes eventually. But eventually, the the the, the those who are, are kind of following the Antichrist come up with the idea that man needs liturgy. And so they come up with uh, an antichrist liturgy, mm. right? And they come up with a liturgy to replace Christian liturgy. It's a purely secular kind of pantheistic kind of liturgy. And the guy they put in charge of is this apostate priest. And this apostate priest is excellent at, at liturgy. It's all <laughs> just right, right? It's all very beautiful, ornate, solemn, you know, all this kind of thing, right? Um, but of course it's deeply wrong, right? Uh, uh, so I think that's one example, literary example that stands out to me that, you know, refined aesthetics is good, but not sufficient. When you look at it that way, I think it shows not only something about beauty, Mm -hmm. um, that it isn't just this thing that delights the senses, Mm -hmm. but it also shows something about us that we are not satisfied Mm-hmm. Our desires are not, our, our deepest desires are not met with just things that are uh, sensibly gratifying. Mm-hmm. That there's both something deeper to man mm-hmm. and there's also something deeper to uh, beauty. So, Dr. Smith, you've given us a lot to, to think about. Any any final thoughts or points you want to make maybe about uh, beauty uh, here? Sure. The uh, Just kind of in the big picture, right, uh, I think it's, it's it's worth thinking about the fact that that for Christians, uh, I mean, this is true especially for Christians, but I think also according to right reason, that um, we live in a reality in which reality itself shows itself uh, to be both true and good and beautiful, uh, and that that really should, uh, in a lot of ways, fill us with awe, um, and should sort of call us to a kind of um, I don't know, uh, rectitude or reverence towards being. And I know that sounds like a strange <laughs> thing to say, uh, but philosophers say things, strange things. <laughs> but that reality, right, uh, is shot through, really, with goodness and truth and beauty. 
um, it's really up to us uh, to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that what we need to do then is to attend to what are those foundations in reality? What are those foundations in being that really brings that about? And more than anything else, it involves the perfection of form, right? Mm-hmm. That is having our minds attuned to the idea that there is a, a sort of intelligible structure to reality, mm-hmm. that some things are objectively desirable, objectively beautiful, and objectively true. Yeah. And that we as human beings find our actualization, our fulfillment, and our flourishing in responding to those objective realities. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Dr. Smith, uh, for pointing out these uh, um, particular kind of intricacies when we're looking at beauty, that we mm-hmm. don't just uh, accept the subjective understanding that our modern world kind of just throws on beauty or truth or goodness or any of those uh, transcendentals or, or, or divine names. Um, but that it's something that uh, um, uh, is really reflective of the goodness of God. But it's something that can that we can lose sight of, and it's something that uh, we can live our life where we can pass over these beautiful things mm-hmm. that God has given us, that God has placed into our care. We can easily miss them if we don't look around and if we don't see them, if we don't understand them intellectually. And so I just want to invite our listeners, you know, the more that we can form our intellects to understand these things, the more that we can have, you know, the divine data in our intellects to interpret reality uh, according to the design that God has created it with. So with that, I want to thank our listeners. And in the meantime, uh, check out our content at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless.